Good morning, everybody. It's good to have all you spring break people here. Welcome. All right. Definitely want to uh, welcome everybody in, make sure everybody feels at home and, and uh, a part of this little family. We're, it's just so cool to, to be with y'all and have such a crowd and at this time of year. It's great. Um, man, wear your shorts when you ski this afternoon. Wow, it's going to be toasty. It's melting like crazy. Uh, welcome to everybody who's online, too. want to make sure that you guys are greeted. Uh, I think Kevin mentioned that things are getting ready to change around here in like one month, like four weeks. We'll be done in this place. So this may be your last time in this building. I don't know, uh, as it currently stands. But uh, a couple things around that we want to make sure you know is that in, in a few weeks, we have something called a foresight meeting, and that is another way of saying all church meeting, but we like foresight. It sounds more fun, um, a little bit more fun. And uh, at the foresight meeting, which if you're here, you're welcome to, to be with us. We'd love to have you. We can watch online as well. But the foresight meeting is a place where we talk about what's going on. We plan ahead. Uh, we share our budget, how we performed last year, what's coming for next year. We'll talk about this transition and um, how we're all going to engage with that. And we're going to talk about some other things. We're going to be working towards uh, rebuilding our Constitution. Uh, our, our, our bylaws and things were written back in the mid-70s. And I don't know if you noticed, but some things have changed since the 70s. And so we want to be uh, as current as we can. And uh, we're going to be talking about our denominational affiliation and some things like that. So we want to make sure that everyone is aware of that information. You should have gotten an email if you didn't. Uh, please sign the little card back there and we'll put you on the list. Uh, That came out this week. So if you didn't get that, you're not on the list. And uh, information about all the things I just mentioned are right on that back table. You can grab it, take a look, give me a call or any of our leaders to talk through any of that stuff. Okay. So we are in this, uh, we're in this series that it's called So That You May Believe because that's what John says is the purpose of the book, this gospel that he writes. I'm writing it so that you will believe. Well, the more I think about this, we did. We split it up into two parts. We did like 1 through 11, 11, 12, or something like that. And then uh, we're doing 12 through the end. And the, I think it might have been called the, the, the disciples' absolute roller coaster of life. Might have been a better way to, to add, to put this together. Because the things that the disciples, these followers of Jesus are going through are just, it's hard to imagine. I hope that today you can just sort of Put yourself in their position for a minute. And I'll bring up some of the context that they're in, but just be thinking about what it might be like to have been those guys with Jesus at this moment in life. And the, the things that are happening are just uh, absolutely going crazy. And, and it's going to have a... The roller coaster is going to come off the tracks, right, here really soon because we're right, we're right in the Last Supper, right at the point of where Jesus is being betrayed. So things are going to get really tough. In John 15... He is, he is feeding them from the fire hose. Jesus is, I mean, just one thing after another. Here, you need to know this. Here, you need to know this. Here, this is, this is so important. This day is one of those. Because these guys are going to be destabilized if they're not already. Like, three years with Jesus, suddenly the, there's the ri- raising of Lazarus, and everything is, like, so shiny. Everybody loves them. The, the people in Jerusalem like totally on fire for them. They have that great welcome into the city. They're like, yes, finally, we knew we picked the right you know, guy we're following. Well, then Jesus has this dinner, and he's like, wrap, he takes his clothes off and wraps himself up with a towel and washes their feet. He's talking about, he sends Judas the betrayer out 
He says, one of you is going to betray me. Now, how would you have felt? I mean, one of you is going to betray me. I'm just talking to like these first three rows. Like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, what's, they're totally, things are, the wheels are coming off and Jesus is preparing them for what's going to happen in the next, you know, three days, really. Just, this is where, this is the confluence of history. It's the moment that everything hinges upon. And he's trying to explain to them what to be prepared for. Uh, So, uh, yeah, they're going to see this incredibly violent crucifixion, and he needs to get them ready for this thing, right? How are they going to handle that? What's... What does that next step look like? How do they prepare themselves? And one of the things I noticed that Jesus just does so well is he sets up his followers to to be prepared for what's coming. And one of the things that he does with them is he says, and he's doing this for them without explaining it to them. He's saying, life is going to get crazy. And what you need to know is this. This is the next step. This is the best next step for you. Uh, lately, honestly, things in my life have been going really well. I've just been having a, things are good. My kids are home. My son has friends with them. I mean, it's just a great week, you know? And I was talking to somebody, I don't know if it was Tyler or who it was, I was like saying things were going really well for them. And I was like, do you ever get nervous? You know, are you like, like, right, like you, am I right on the edge of like this? Because if you've lived, you know, a little bit longer than, you know, very long at all, like I'm only like 30 plus, but um, you're, you start to, you see things that you're like, oh my gosh, something is going to happen. And Jesus is, is preparing them for when the hard things happen. If you want to be prepared, this is what you need. And so this is what I want to say to you. And it's from John 15, we just read it. Jesus says, in light of life, abide in me. You, guys, please, he's begging them, abide in me. Abide in me. So, that's what I'm saying to you. I think that's what the, this message, if you were to read through this, I want to encourage you to do this on your own. If you just look at John 15, he says the same thing, I think seven different times. So just look at it. You can just count how many times he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I am, abide in me, live within me, dwell in me. If you, if you don't, it's going to be tough. Over and over and over. Take a look at that. So that's, that's the main point that I want to get across. Let me just read through this again. Verse uh, 5 is like a summary statement of the whole thing. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that doesn't, does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear, bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. And here's five. Here's the one that sort of summarizes the whole thing. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So I want to break up Jesus' argument in those that little verse, especially verse five into three parts. The design that he gives them the dwelling. He's going to talk about dwelling within him, abiding in discovery. He's going to show them something they don't know yet. So design, dwelling, and discovery. So on this uh, idea of design, uh, he's he is going to use a metaphor to describe what it is to dwell in him, which he's going to talk about in a minute. But he wants to set it up so they can understand, you know, word pictures we just love. 
Um, today, I actually have like a whole bunch of like visuals for you guys. So if you're like me and you need a lot of things to keep your attention, th- today is for you. This is a picture from our house. Okay. Show and tell. Okay. So this is like the only picture of a plant in our house. <laughs> um, I don't know what kind of plant it is myself, but when my son Taylor was little, I know it says it on there, whatever. Um, it's in some other language, though. You can't read that. Um, don't read that. You're up here saying, no, you know what it is, Scott. It says it. Um, but when Taylor, my son, was little, he said, uh, we asked him what kind of plant it was. He said, well, it's a hot dog plant. It has those hot dogs on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we all know that those hot dogs are not going to grow without the plant, right? They're not just going to show up. A branch on the ground, one of those limbs on the ground, is not just going to grow a hot, uh, you know, whatever the fruit is. I guess he didn't know about the magical animal that's a pig, you know. Um, that provides things like that. Or maybe, do you make hot dogs out of pigs? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Unless they're all beef, or all chicken, or a mix. You know, we know this, and so he is using this very familiar metaphor for them to describe that if, if you want to grow, produce fruit, if, if you want to be a healthy branch, which he's calling us, then... You need to be attached to the plant, the, ho- the core of the plant, right? To the vine. And so he's making that idea very p- particular for them. He's showing them this design. This is the way it is created. This is the way you are created. You are one of these branches that can produce fruit. But a couple things about this. Jesus uses the definite article. Whenever you see Jesus use a definite article, it's important to note it. He says, I am the vine. I am the vine. I'm the one. I am the place for you to find that source. There is no other source. You can look to all kinds of things in life, but nothing is going to fill you. Nothing is going to help you to produce. I am the vine. So that's something that we need to remember. Just I want to bring out a couple of things that he says in this that are important. And another thing is when I picture this, you know, that's obviously not a vine, but when I picture a grapevine, like you guys have seen, a major part of that is the root structure that's holding that vine in place. And Jesus wants them to understand that there, this vine that he is, is the vine, it is unshakable. It will not move. It's a vine that we can always draw life from. It's never going to move. It's permanent. And he will say later that it's an eternal thing. Those roots are stable. It's a healthy place for us to... This is Jesus. And then he says, you are a branch. You're a branch. We all got that, right? Because Jesus makes it so clear. We get that picture. Now, for those of you who are Bible scholars, just to talk to you guys for just a minute. Some people will look at things Jesus says to the disciples and say, well, who is he really talking about? Is he talking about the disciples? Is he talking to them? Is he talking to the Jews? Is he talking about the Jews? Is this uh, another metaphor? And he's, he's saying the Jews will be cut off. The Jews will produce fruit or not. 
Some of that is there. Is he even talking to the church? That's a question we have to answer when we're really looking at this. However, it is clear that Jesus wants at least this to be understood very simply for people who follow him. We are a branch. So if you're a theological scholar and you're out there going, I don't know, let me think about this. You're a branch. Now you can go deeper than that if you want to, but let's just be sure that we understand that. And then he says something in there that is destabilizing to me. He says, unless you're vitally connected to me, you're going to be broken off. Does that make anybody worry? Does that concern you when you hear that? That's kind of where I go. Like I see this beautiful passage about the vine and producing fruit. And then I see this one thing that says, you better be careful. And that's all I can think about. Right? There's this uh, fear that we would, that he's saying, if you're grafted into me, you can also be broken off. You can be set aside and be punished. Or it almost sounds like lose your salvation. Right? So that's a, that's a hard thing for us to look at. We have to look at it closely. But I want to encourage you, when you look at a passage like this, you always want to interpret it accurately. Like I said, my eyes just go to that. Right? Whenever you see a metaphor in the Bible, whenever you see Jesus use a metaphor or a parable or anything like that, it's not designed to walk on all fours in every situation in, for all time. It's an example. That's why I brought this smoothie up here. <sighs> um, which I think Erica has called out for her own after it's done. By the way, this is a Texas smoothie because it's actually the color of fruit. Um, if you're from Crested Butte or here very long, what color is this? It's a green smoothie. Maybe you, I don't know. But this is, real, this is a real smoothie. Now, one of the things you do when you make a smoothie is you get a big straw so all the stuff can come through, right? You get a little tiny straw, you're like, oh, this is terrible. And you're trying to drink it and get it. That's no good. Even with this, sometimes you'll get a big chunk. You're like, Right? We've all done that. You're like, oh, God. And then you hope it doesn't shoot you down your throat. Well, there's an easy way to deal with that, you know. We could, you could actually take that little that piece of fruit out, cut it up, get however you want to do to deal with it. But there's a whole smoothie here with a whole lot of other things going on, right? I know this is a super simplistic illustration, But when we get totally stuck on something that's in a word picture in the scripture, we may be, we, what we need to do is bring all of the whole picture of scripture to the table to understand what's going on. So we see very clearly in scripture that we are adopted into the family of God through Jesus. And there's nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from that. So we have to understand that if we are broken off or separated, it, whatever it means, it's not good. But we can't take that out and say, oh, this definitely means that you can't be sure, that you have to act a certain way, and if you don't, then you can possibly be torn off broke, and burned and thrown away, and you're not worth anything anymore, okay? So when you, when you pull out, when you get stuck on something, look at the whole scripture before you try to make an illustration tell you everything, okay? You still want? Okay. There you go, yeah. Um, 
Texas. That's Texas version. Y'all, y'all be careful what you get here. You don't want to, nobody needs a green smoothie. I'm sorry. I know you love those, but it's not right. The bottom line is that God has designed him. He, the design is this. He is the vine. We are the branches and there is fruit that is produced. So you are a branch. It's vitally important to be connected to the vine. And there is a downside to not being connected to the vine. And we just, we have to understand and grab that. I'm going to do my last little illustration here that's visual. Uh, so I apologize for those of you this is um, too simplistic for, but this is a headlamp I bought for Claire. It's, uh, it's like super bright. It may not look like it in here, but it's like um, 350 lumens. Like su- it's as bright as this kind can get. When she, uh, when she turns, like we're going uphill and she turns and looks at me, it's like, my retinas are like melting. Like, okay, Claire. But it's always been that way with me, with Claire. <sighs> Not very subtle, am I? But y'all, you know this. If I take one of these 19 batteries out of here or two, it just doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work anymore. And uh, for this to actually function and produce what it's supposed to produce, it actually has to be connected to the thing that makes it work. Right? I mean, there are a lot of vines that I've tried to connect to in my life, like financial security or a degree or a relationship or a fixed relationship or you know, uh, whatever, work, anything you can think. And I'm trying to put those things into, I'm trying to graft myself onto them. They're going to, that's going to work. This is going to work. And it doesn't. And Jesus is just simply saying, I am the vine. This is the design. This is design of life. This is where life comes from. It's me. So, There's a design. There's a dwelling. And when the word abide is used, some of you are looking at your translation and it says remain in me. Uh, some of you will say abide in me. All those three words are the same translation, the Greek. Uh, they all mean the same thing. It means to take up residence with Jesus, like within him, with him. Uh, and so he's refining this ex- explanation that he's trying to make, this uh, metaphor of the vine. He's saying, here's how it looks to abide in me. You do that through dwelling. With, or here's how it looks to be a part of the vine, to be a branch, a part of the vine. You dwell, you abide with me. So how do you do that? If we really want to abide, Jesus just gives a couple of ideas, and I'm, I'm going to share them with you. If you look at the passage, you'll find more. But in John 15, 10, so just a few verses later, he says, abide in me by keeping my commandments. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. So if you, some versions will say, if you obey my commandments. Now, I don't know how that sounds to you, but if you're like me, you don't like anyone telling you what to do. Obeying seems challenging. Jesus says, if you obey, you are abiding in me. Now, if you struggle with obeying, if that's something that doesn't sound great to you, 
you're not the first, okay? Mr. You, others have actually rebelled, not just you, who actually felt those feelings of, you know what, when somebody tells me what to do, I'm not going to do it. And here's the issue. When my parents would say, Scott, you, this is what you have to do. If you don't do this, these are the results. And I would say, you know what, I don't know if any of you parents have ever heard this. You've never been through this before. You don't know what I'm feeling. Come on, it's funnier than that. <laughs> All of you have said it. I said it to my parents, like, you don't know. You don't know. I, it's so different for me now. You know, I have these feelings, and I got rejected, and I want to do the, you know. Yes, parents know what that feels like. But the issue is an issue of trust. Do I trust really trust that if I obey and I make these choices that are harder and are going against the grain, swimming up the stream all the time, if I do that, will it matter? And Jesus says, yes, because you'll be abiding in me. And when we abide in Jesus, it's good. There is life. It's permanent. It's forever. And it produces fruit. But we wouldn't want to rebel and say, no, I, I don't trust that. I'm going to do this my way, my way. In order to keep his commandments, we talked about this last week just for a moment, we have to actually know his word. We have to know what he says. We have to put that stuff in our heart, hide it, keep it, uh, embrace it, and make it a part of us so that we can engage it when the time comes. When we, uh, so abiding is obeying his commandments and knowing his word. Just two things, and he expresses those things by saying that to us. I went... Uh, my, my son and I went up last night, and he was uh, using my tele gear, and he was coming down. And if you've ever been tele skiing, it's, it's so much different than alpine. And you, we got about two-thirds of the way down, and he goes, yeah, if I just follow the rules, then it works. You know, alpine skiing, you just kind of float down the mountain. It's so easy. Um, but tele skiing is a whole this process of steps that don't come naturally. And if you follow the steps, this is what he said. If I say, okay, slide forward, drop my knee, point downhill, punch downhill, right, Chad? Point, punch down, all these things, then it automatic, the turn automatically happens and it looks right. And I do the same thing again. I follow the steps. If I don't do them, it doesn't work. When I do them, and Jesus is saying, learn my word, follow my commandments, and you will be abiding in me. Okay. There's just two parts that he shares, and you guys can dig in and find more. We have a DNA statement here. We say, we abide in Jesus. We want to put that of one of our four, we abide in Jesus. It goes at the top. We abide in Jesus. We want to remind ourselves of that constantly. We know his word. We graft ourselves into him. We dwell with him. So there is a design that Jesus has set, that God has set up. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. We produce fruit. To do that, we abide in him. And then finally, there's this discovery. And the reason I say discovery is that when Jesus said, you'll produce fruit, the disciples didn't know what he was talking about. You have to put yourself in their shoes for just a minute. They'd heard this metaphor of producing fruit before because the, Jesus had talked about it in the context of the Jewish nation. Have you, he would say, you guys are rejecting the true vine and you have not produced fruit. In other words, you haven't believed in me so you're going to be taken away. And the church is going to replace the nation of Israel. Jesus has been saying something like that, but now he's getting really specific. He's saying, you, you are going to produce fruit. And so they're thinking, okay, I'm totally confused. Uh, this whole night is just turning my life upside down. What does he mean? And most of you, are, if you've had some Bible background, you might have thought of Paul's fruit of the Spirit. 
which I'm sure all of you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's from Galatians 5. Does that, you have that verse, Wendy? Let me throw that out there. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. The only thing is, this passage didn't come along. Paul didn't write this in a letter to the Galatians until about 50 years after this meeting. Okay? So they didn't have this information. So what does it mean to produce fruit? What does it look like? And I think we can take away some things that Jesus says uh, a little bit later in chapter 15. And I'm going to share with you three real briefly. One is fruit looks like joy. Look at uh, verse 11. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, y'all, think, think of, I'm going to read this one more time, but think about it. This is Jesus saying this to these people and, and indirectly to us. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Man, if, if I'm not experiencing that, there are times that are really hard and he, he knows they're coming and that's why he's sharing this with them. Y'all, the joy of Christ is something amazing. It is, he is the creator of it. If you've ever sensed it, you've experienced a shadow of what joy is really like. And Jesus is saying, this fullness of joy is available for you when you abide in me. So one of the fruits is joy. The next one that he expresses is love. And this is in uh, verse 12, just another verse later. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The outgrowth of understanding and following Jesus and following his commandments is that you love one another. But then he modifies it. He says, you love one another as I have loved you. Wow. That's a pretty humongous commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And later in John 17, Jesus says, if the people within the church, if the followers of me love each other, that is the most powerful uh, evidence of the true existence of the one God above all others. You can argue with somebody till, you know, and, and make all these, um, you know, you can, you can profess and you can live a great life and all that. But what, it said, what Jesus says is the most powerful thing you can do to convince other people that there is one true, real God, is to love one another. So I have a question for you there. If, I mean, we live in a little tiny town, and you guys are visiting a little place. If we love one another, man, that is going to have an impact. People will see that, and they'll say, what is going on? And oh, be joyful, right? And Jesus says, the way it has been made is so that when you love each other, the fruit of that is that people will know. I'm the son of God, and there, there is one true God. So love one another. That's uh, the second. And the third is fruit is externally focused. It's self-sacrificial. And this is a passage. I'm going to read it from the message. Uh, I like the way it says this. John 15, 13, the next verse. This is the very best way to love, to put your life on the line for your friends. This is the very best way to love, to put your life on on the line for your friends. So if you're looking for a, 
a metric, a way to understand, am I, am I moving towards loving like Christ loved me? Then you say, am I willing to put my life on the line? Am I, have I gone this far for my friends that are here that I love, my believer friends? Have I gone, am I thinking that way? Is my heart at that point? That's that tipping point. <clears throat> Fruit is those three things. It's joy, it's love, and it's self-sacrificing. Joy, love, and self-sacrificing. So, uh, the disciples discovered this new thing. This new thing they found was that there is a real fruit that's produced. It's not, this, it's not the, the fruit of the Spirit yet. They don't understand that yet, but it's a foundational thing. It's joy and love and an external focus. And y'all, don't, isn't that how the church... Don't, we, I think almost intrinsically we know that's what the church ought to look like. That's what we should be known for, that kind of thing. And Jesus is setting it up for them right there because their life is about to just come right off the tracks. Everything is going to go wrong for them. It is going to get hard. And he says, here's the thing. Abide in me because I am the vine and you are the branches. Dwell in me. This is the way I've designed it. And what you're going to discover is that you're going to produce fruit, and that fruit's going to be a beautiful thing. What if, what if that was Obi Joyful, the believers at Obi Joyful? I'm going to pray for that. Lord, I, I ask that we would abide in you. All right, I don't know a better way to say it, another way to say it. Um, let us dwell, remain in you. Let us produce fruit that is uh, pleasing to you, Father. And experience that love and joy and self-sacrificial spirit that is what you have placed within us if we follow you. And it's in Jesus' name who gave us this that we pray. Amen. All right, y'all have a wonderful afternoon.